Welcome to Season 2, Episode 14 of Tech Talk Thursday. Our guest today is Dr. Rudy Gosch from Novacentrics, an Austin, Texas-based company that's been manufacturing pulsed light curing systems to the printed and flexible electronics ecosystem for curing nanopowders and conductive inks. They've developed a pulse light system that can reflow SAC 305 and other solders in a fraction of a second with a machine that occupies a tiny footprint compared to other reflow systems. Is this the next big industry revolution? Let's find out. So Rudy, thank you for joining us today. Uh, great to see you. Um, tell us a little bit about Novacentrix. Uh, tell us a little bit about the background story to Novacentrix. Uh, who you are and uh, where you came from. First of all, thanks, Trevor, for having us over here. You know, I am, I have been listening to a lot, lot of the Tech Talk Thursdays, and it's been very, very educational for for me. So it's it's um it's kind of an honor for me to, to be able to come and talk to you. Uh, so as long as Nova Centrics is concerned, uh, we are based in Austin, Texas. Uh, we have been in business, as we like to say, since last millennia. Uh, we started in 1999, so you know pretty much the last last year of that millennia. Uh, but we have been in, in in this business for 20 years. Uh, we have our headquarters in Austin, but we have you know both an R&D and apps team support for our customers in Europe, in and in Asia. We also have a business team that you know not that looks for looks for new customers and also supports our existing customers across the world. Uh, we started as a company in making nanoparticles using pulse plasma synthesis. A lot of this work was done for the defense industry, but then when we started making these metal nanoparticles, uh, we, we realized that you know the, there is a much larger market for this in, in other areas, and one of those areas was in printed electronics. So how do you take these nanoparticles and make them useful for the printed electronics? Well, you make conductive inks. So that's kind mm -hmm. of been a, a major part of our, of our business. And you know we have grown that business both through internal uh, by growing the internal development team for our inks team, but also acquisition of other other ink companies that we think were doing really really innovative work and that had a very uh, that had customers who needed those inks. Uh, once we make those conductive inks and we started putting them on pretty much any surface, right, like plastic, paper, fabric. Uh, but but ultimately, there is a very important step there in electronics, which is the thermal processing, right? And you cannot put PET or fabric in an oven and expect it to survive. So what we did was take our, our experience in making, in controlling pulsed power and made lamps out of it, right? And so these are very, very high-powered xenon gas-fueled lamps. So they pretty much give up white light. And anything that is dark in color absorbs this light and gets hot, right? So that's that's how we were doing it. But the real key part on this is the pulse part. And the pulses that we're doing here are in the microsecond range. So yeah, your component, uh, your, your tracks get hot, but the substrates underneath, it doesn't, right? So that's where we were on the printed electronic side. This is what we have been doing for the last decade, decade and a half. But in general, the printed electronics industry really wants to be synonymous with conventional electronics industry, right? A very important po point on that is to be actually attach components onto that. And, you know, for, for decades, soldering has been the way of attaching those components. And so that's where we are 
that that's our next step in in our evolution and that's what we are we want to talk about yeah, and that's a that's a massive step. I mean, so your, uh, I mean, your your background has essentially been in uh, curing using uh, photonics curing and and also this this pulsed light, uh, but now you're moving into uh, solder reflow uh, and in in particular reflowing regular SAC three hundred five. How how did you get to that point? Uh, and 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 tell us a little bit about how that works. Great question, because it's it's not an easy, exactly what you mentioned, like it's not, it's, it's a massive step. And this would not have been uh, possible if we hadn't done some really, really uh, fundamental changes in the architecture of the design, architecture and design of the tools that we have, you know, that we, and we did that two and a half, three years ago. And that really allows us to tap into uh, peak powers and average energy densities that weren't possible with a single pulse. Uh, and the big you know, no matter how how uh, how much energy you bring in with a single pulse, you're not going to get reflow processes done in one microsecond pulse. So a very important part on that was being able to stitch multiple multiple pulses over a long period, a long period in our, our in the microsecond to uh, moving from the microsecond to the second regime allowed us to do go away from not only doing curing but also uh, solder reflow. Right, right. Uh, so it's quite a change in your process. So, so what are the the, the main advantages of 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 curing um, solder uh, using your your process? Well, there are two main advantages, and the first one, you know, goes back to what I was just saying earlier. Is uh, this is a long process, but it's a long process by our standards. It is still in the seconds. So, one of the biggest advantages that we have is the really, really high throughput that we can get, all right? And the second one is we are still using this broadband uh, wide area light source, right? This allows us to have spatial selectivity, both in terms of in the Z direction, which is what we have done for ages, but also in the X, Y direction. So that allows us to really address one of the key uh, key challenges that, that's there in, in the SMT world is controlling the Delta T across across either the x y or the z direction and that's that's yeah. um, that's basically been the two main advantages right and if you think about it uh now uh that has allowed us to come up with two versions of of our tool there is uh and one of them is really focusing on the high throughput so you know more marketed towards this high volume low mix uh, sort of market and the batch process tool which is which can also be used for r and d applications right which is which is more for that very high makes low volumes sort of a market uh, a lot of the initial interest that we have gotten so far has been mostly from that high volume low mix side you know uh, a, a big market space that we have been able to uh, look into is led manufacturing right like multiple single components in arrays or large areas that need the same uh, processing over and over again and so you know doing it on a variety of substrates, including ceramics, but also one of the things that 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 has really come in the last year or so onto the market is this roll-to-roll uh, manufacturing of LED arrays. And you know, earlier it was either some sort of conductive adhesive, but you know, if, if you're going to pull this large array of LEDs outside, you want the best possible reliability on your joints, and only soldering can can provide that. So that's been a key market for us. Yeah, incredible. Uh, I mean, 
Looking at the, at the regular uh, SMT process, though, I mean, the, the reflow oven has always been the determinant of the speed of the line. It's the slowest machine. It determines the speed. Using your system, first of all, the footprint is, uh, when you look at the actual form size of it, is, is much, much smaller. So it takes up a fraction of the space of a, a reflow oven. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, does this allow, then, this process allow the line to, to uh, go faster? Absolutely. So we basically take the slowest part of the line and make it the fastest part of the line, right? So the that, that's you know that that by itself is incredible. Um, anecdotally speaking, for this specific O six O three LED on a polyimage uh, substrate with you know a, with etched copper with uh, with an inic finish, I've been able to do that solder reflow and a pretty very very reliable joint that is that looks exactly like something that has gone through a conventional oven in a quarter of a mm-hmm. second right a quarter of a second and you can process you know i'm talking about a single led but since this is a wide uh, you know it, it's 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 a broad area uh, lamp you can do anything within within a panel in the 3 inch by 12 inch size within that quarter for a second it, it's possible now the other one, the other important thing is going back to the footprint, right? Right now, because the reflow processes are so slow, you actually have only one one reflow oven per line. Now, if your reflow oven becomes really, really fast, and you can actually line up, you, you can use multiple lines coming into a single reflow process, which is in this case would be our pulse forge tools. So you know it's saving. A space. It's in terms of footprint, not only by being small for for one line, but it can actually take ten, possibly ten or even more uh, conventional ovens, and and replace that with a single single tool. Wow, that's quite incredible. So let's look at the 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 actual solder joint itself that you reflow. I mean, does this, does this affect tensile strength of the joint or any of these other characteristics? So that's again a very important question, and you know, as long as conventional substrates like FR4 or rigid substrate like FR4 or you know ceramic or metal, the the tensile strength is pretty much exactly the same that you'd expect from a conventional uh, reflow oven, right? What we have, but again, you know, going back to a lot of the work we have done is also on flexible substrates, right? And in all of those, what we have seen the 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 failure mode is never the solder joint, but the adhesive that connects the the tracks to 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 the flex circuit, right? So either you know the the etched copper uh, or you know uh, on on polyamide or on PET. So that's been very very uh, encouraging for us. Uh, there are a couple of other things that have really really been very very encouraging for us is uh, the fact that because we are controlling these pulses, we really have very, good, very, very good control over the peak temperature, how long you keep it at that peak temperature. That really allows us to control the thickness of the intermetallic layer very, very precisely. You know, we can control if you want a one uh, micron thick uh, uh, intermetallic layer, we can get that. If you wanted six microns, we can get there. Anywhere in between, we can get there. The other important part is the cooling is very, very fast. As soon as you turn the light off, you're taking off all energy sources. The tool does not remain hot. Your cooling rate being very fast basically means your microstructures become very, very small, and that allows a lot of strength for, for, for the joint. 
So, you know, these are, uh, these are things that are part of the tool just because of the tool is designed, but because of those specific things that we have been able to do with the tool, we have been able to get very, very good tensile strength uh, of the joints themselves. Big data, artificial intelligence, and smart factory solutions are here now. Automated optical inspection is critical in a smart factory environment. Leading the way to Industry 4.0, Murtech invites you to the smart factory of the future. So, so what sort of feedback have you had then from the, the major solder producers? I mean, have you been working with any of these guys? Yeah, we have. And, you know, the, um, the first thing we did, a lot of the initial work we did for on, on qualifying solders was do it for solders that our customers brought in, our end customers brought in, right? Like, this is a new technology. I'm not going to go to, to, your, to your factory and be like, oh, this is a new technology, but you have to use this completely new type of solder or paste, right? So we did a lot of work on that. But Ultimately, when we were doing this sort of qualification, we saw the same solders come back over and over again because, you know, there, there are these three or four major manufacturers of solders and a, a narrow family of their, of their solders that go to pretty much every contract manufacturers. So we went and talked to these uh, solder manufacturers. We qualified those specific solders. But during this, we really built up good technology partnerships with them. And we have been able to see if they can make any new sort of uh, uh, solders that, that are optimized for this process. Um, that being said, you know, we are still working with a wide variety of solder alloys. We have done it from you know, low temperature solders to you know, SAC, which we work on a regular basis, as well as high temperature solders. And it has always been very, very... Uh, uh, I, I've always been very encouraged whenever I see that first uh, sample I send out for them to 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 explore and investigate, and they are like, it blows their mind that that has been done within a quarter of a second on PET. Mm. Like that is something that they never thought was possible, right? So that's that's always that that first interaction I have they, where they cannot believe that it's been done that fast. And then I actually have to do the process in front of them has always been very, very encouraging to me. Fascinating. I mean, you mentioned something there about uh, the, the, the low temp solders. I mean, so you've had some experience of, of, of reflowing these. Um, no issues there? Issues there? No, no. Actually, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of the work with tin bismuth, tin bismuth with silver. And that part comes from, you know, as I was saying, we, we do have an ink steam. A lot of the, the work they do is making screen printable silver inks. Uh, if, again, it's with the SAC alloys uh, at the reflow temperature at, uh, that we need to take it to, there is a lot of dissolving of, of that silver, right? So that's not really an ideal solution for us. So for that business unit that we have, we were actually actively working with the low temperature solders. And we have seen very, very good results. We've also seen very good results with the low silver content SAC alloys like SAC 105. You know, so we, we have been able to really look into those uh, from, from a very selfish company's uh, perspective, but now we have actually been able to qualify those and provide it to our customers. Right. Well, it certainly sounds a fascinating technology, Rudy. I mean, uh, are there any downsides to it? 
Yeah, of course there is, you know, like it, it's, this is not a solution for everything, right? The first thing that I said is the spatial selectivity and the spatial selectivity is usually done by choice of color, right? So if, if you bring in, a, uh, you know, if you bring in uh, a board with a black solder mask, that's going to be a problem for us for sure. You know, like, you know, that's the, the solder mask is going to do most of the absorbing and everything else is going to get as hot or hotter. Um, but so far we have been very, very uh, happy with the feedback that we have gotten from our customers on that is like, if they have a dark colored solder mask and we're like, well, that's not really going to work. They have been very accommodating and changed the solder mask color, right? And that's, you know, for example, if you make it green, that's a large part, part of it is getting reflected, right? So th that's yeah. been pretty much the main issue here. And the second one is uh, not necessarily a technological challenge, but a challenge for, you know, getting into an, an industry that really values maturity of technology, right? So we have, we understand we're bringing in a new technology. So we are, uh, we are working with partners in being able to educate customers, uh, you know, customers of customers, and we, we will continue to do that. And, you know, one of the things that we are very proud of as, as a company in, in Novacentrics during our time and printed electronics is we do not really consider our customers as just customers. They are our technology partners. They are advocates for, for our technology, right? So it's never been sell a tool and get away, get out of the way. It's always been sell a tool, make sure the customer is successful and then, then get out of the way till they call you back. Right. So, I mean, how, how do they, um, how do they tweak the process? I mean, uh, does it just, uh, uh, presumably they, they have to gauge the, the amount of um, light exposure depending on what materials they're, they're trying to reflow, etc. cetera. Uh, how, how, how do they operate that? And, and does the machine actually gather that data uh, to, to store it uh, uh, so that we, you have traceability of, of, of uh, what happened with these boards? So, you know, again, this is, uh, this is very important, right? And uh, the, let's go about how, how we tweak the process itself. There are two main parameters here, right? It's the average power and how long you, you bring it up for, right? By changing the average power, right, you're bringing in, you know, different amounts of power. So you're basically changing the, the ramp rate of how quickly or how slowly your temperature increases, right? And for how long you, you raise that is, is going to be controlled by the amount of time. Now, once you reach your peak temperature, right, you can then drop that average power and you can flatten it for, you know, a soak, right? It's, it's the, the ultimate thermal profile can be made to look very similar to what you'd see in a conventional oven, uh, except it's going to be condensed instead of being, you know, in the many tens of seconds to minutes, you're doing it within a few seconds at, at the most, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's, the, that's the way we would control the, how, how you control the processability. Uh, now, since the very beginning, uh, a really interesting part of how we build these tools, a lot of our initial tools for curing were for production and not for our R&D or lab scale tools. So a lot of the questions about traceability of these pulses, of knowing exactly what each of these components have gone through has been very important for more than a decade for us, right? So we have been working on that and that is built into the system. Uh, you know, any, any, I, I work with this one tool that's once in a while, that's been pretty old, you know, like it's beat up and old, like six years old, but I can still go through the logs and find out what was done six years ago on a middle of December Wednesday and, and, and get that, get that data out. So it's, it's something that is hardwired into those tools, 
but you know we are we also work on the integration side with, of with our customers if it get needs if we need to integrate everything to their line and be able to make sure logging from their from their other 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 units also work with ours right yeah yeah with all this factory of the future stuff coming in it's it's, it's critical that any new uh, production equipment has that capability and, and, and traceability. Yeah. So, um, how safe is it to use? You know, this is um, this has been a very very important factor for us, right? Uh, there are safety interlocks everywhere. Um, if you take a step back, at its at its peak, the amount of light energy that we're putting down in that one microsecond to hundred microsecond timeline is more than half a million suns shining at the same time. So it's a very, very bright uh, uh, source, right? So we have a lot of, we need to make sure the users are completely, completely safe. So, you know, there is, um, there, there's a lot of light shields in both the, you know, our batch and inline tools. There is uh, on the inline tools as well, uh, on the batch tool as well, there are multiple areas where, uh, you know, things are moving. So there's e-stops everywhere, Close to close to where where the operator can be, but ultimately the tool is designed so those those e stops are redundant rather than necessary. Um, so that's how how our tools are designed. You know, it has all the certifications um, that that are required across the world. You know, we sell a lot of tool in Germany. We'll sell a lot of tool in 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 Japan. We'll sell a lot of tools in China. Um, uh, and we we understand each of these places has different safety. Uh, requirements and we by by our decades uh, by our years and decades of experience on on making these tools and selling them we we have a pretty good handle on the safety side good good, good. so um absolutely fantastic story um what's next um you know one of the mantra of our company has always been inspire innovate deliver right so that's what we we continue to do on the soldering side we will continue to you know engage with the community, try to see what the requirements are, what is the best fit for the uh, for, for members of that community with our technology and try to really, really uh, actively participate with with those uh, those members. Uh, that being said, you know, there are other things. Uh, one of the uh, one of the things that we are very, very uh, proud of that we're working on is this sort of contactless printing, uh, you know, for uh, Earlier, you know, in one of the one of the discussions that that you had, uh, there was this talk about being able the necessity of being able to put down different thicknesses of solder across different areas. How do you do that? And we think we have a solution. And you know, we'd be very very happy to talk to customers who have that specific uh, specific need and be technology partners for them. That's interesting. Yeah, the problem's been is obviously getting the speed to be able to to, to, to put down these things because at the moment you're yeah. using uh, stencil printing, which is a a very it's a very old technology, but it's a very fast one. Uh, you know, but uh, read that we will do it in the microsecond range. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll certainly yeah. the speed part has always been very very important for us, right? So, uh, and again, uh, without sound, uh, without trying to sound cliched on this like we are using light so why not use the speed of light yeah <laughs> uh, absolutely fascinating discussion i'll tell you honestly uh, and a great one to finish up our, our year here on tech talk thursday uh rudy i want to thank you for joining us i want to wish you every success with this new product what, what do you call it by the way uh 
our family of tools are called the PulseForge family of tools, uh, PulseForge tools, and our uh, our high volume tools that we are getting uh, are called the PulseForge inline. The low volume R&D scale batch processing tool is called the PulseForge batch. Um, Trevor, it has been thank you so much for having me. You know for for being able to talk about this technology that we hope is embraced by the community and uh, Hopefully, you know, once once all these travel restrictions are over, we will be able to have you and other other members of the community to come and take a look at this tool or process. We, we are always very, very happy to have uh, technology partners, customers come and do their process development with us, you know, and spend a couple of days here. You know, we'll set up an office for you and you can see how it's done. I'd love to see that. Absolutely love to see it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it sounds fascinating. Rudy, thank you for joining us today and best of luck. Thank you, Trevor. Well, that's it for another Tech Talk Thursday and indeed another season. We've just recently put all of the Tech Talk Thursday programs for season two up on our YouTube site so you can binge on them over the holidays. Have a wonderful Christmas holiday. Stay safe and look forward to joining you again for a much more prosperous 2021. Global SMT and Packaging opens the windows of the world to bring you the latest news and technologies from Munich, from Bangalore, from Shanghai, from San Diego.